You're listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey everyone, welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. It's Michelle, as usual, who introduces herself every time and then talks in third person just to make it as especially awkward as possible, because really, why not? Today I'm talking to Tim Engelbrecht from Hello Sweetheart, which is a Sydney-based wedding photography and videography company. And the reason I'm interviewing him, well, A, he's just a cool guy. And secondly, because I thought it'd be really interesting to chat to somebody who is in our industry, but not necessarily a cake maker, because I think that the creatives out there, like the photographers, have a lot in common with us cake makers. And I thought it'd be really good to get a perspective from somebody else who's kind of like in it and sort of not in it, if that makes sense. So Hello Sweetheart has been featured in a bunch of places, Modern Weddings, Polka Dot Bride, Wedded Wonderland, etc. And also interestingly to me, he runs the business with his partner, Mim. So there's that extra, that makes them extra. Let's just use the modern term extra because not only do they run this creative, amazing business, but they also do it together. I'll have to ask him which one is the brains and which one is the brawn in that. <laughs> Maybe she's both and he just hangs out looking pretty. I don't know. We'll have to find out. And I have to say that when I did my research on them, I discovered that they have the dreamiest Instagram you have ever seen in your life. It just totally gives you wedding goals and you just want to jump into other cool people's lives and have weddings like they have. Mine certainly was not nearly as cool as the ones that Tim is shooting. So without further ado, I just want to welcome Tim Engelbrecht from Hello Sweetheart. Hey, Tim. Hey, thank you for that amazing intro. Wow. I know. Everybody tells me I make them sound better than they are in real life. Oh, seriously. I'm so stoked to be me. This is the best. <laughs> the best version of you. So yeah. <laughs> as, as I said in that intro, I said that you own this company, but people who aren't I haven't stalked you for a couple of weeks as I have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't know as much. So tell me about Hello Sweetheart, which by the way, cutest name ever. Cool. Thank you. So my wife and I run Hello Sweetheart. We're based in Sydney, as you say. We specialize in photography and videography and we keep it simple and that's what we do. And last year, 2018, we shot 93 weddings, I believe. And business is good. Life is good. And it's great working with your wife. Yeah. That's nearly two weddings a weekend. It's a lot. Sometimes we have four on one day. So it's kind of out of control at the moment, but it's a great problem. <laughs> too much business is a good problem. Oh, well, you know what I would say? Well, what I do say to my students is if you have too much business, that means you're too cheap. There you go. Hey, I like this. You can teach me some things. <laughs> Time Let's to raise your prices, more... Tim. Time to raise yeah, your prices. Seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how the business came to be. Like, what's the history here? Oh man, it was a complete accident. It's just kind of fallen into my lap. So I started it. Basically, I went to uni. I did Bachelor of Media Communications. By did, I mean, I got halfway through it and said, screw this. They're just trying to rob me of my money. And the degree is kind of useless in the media sense. They kind of want to see your portfolio. So I was like, screw this. I'm going to start a company. So I created this other company and I was just doing some videos and films for uh, corporate stuff, a few photos here and there. 
And just kind of through friends saying, hey, this guy, he owns a camera. He does stuff with this camera. He can shoot your wedding. And people just make this big jump to like, oh, he can shoot a wedding because he has a camera. And I was like, sure. I just said yes to everything. It just kind of faked it until I made it. And before we knew it, so I was like shooting a couple of weddings. And then I was like, let's just go all the way in. We created this brand, Hello Sweetheart. And I just thought the name was cute and it was available. So I locked it in. And then we started in 2015 officially. And that year we shot 25 weddings. And then 2016, I got married and Mim took over basically the hustle side of things. And from there, we went from 25 weddings to like, I think 69 weddings or something, almost 70 weddings, something crazy. And then the year after that, it was like, this is just keep going up and up and up. So Mim is the real, like you're saying, the brawn and the brain. She's definitely a bit of both, but definitely more of the brawn. She's a true hustler. Yeah. So she's the one who's running the business. And what's your role now? So my role is the creative side. So I take care of all of our shooters. I take care of all of our projects. I approve all of our projects. I look after our editing team and Mim takes care of all inquiries, all scheduling. Yeah. And it makes a big difference when you've got that person doing, I don't know how normal photographers and videographers actually do the shooting and the editing and the hustling on the emails and, you know, the phone. I don't know how they do all that. So I'm pretty lucky that Mim can do all that. And she's helped our business grow exponentially. It's been amazing. So obviously with 90, whatever it is, weddings for a day, et cetera, it's not just you anymore. Right. So tell me about that process. It started out just you and a DLSR, right? Yeah. Yes. I think a part of the name was to kind of move away from the named photographer model, which is, you know, like Tim Engelbrecht photography. And then I'm kind of limited to like 40 weddings a year kind of thing. You know, I can probably do 50, you can probably do 60 if you want to like you know, kill yourself in the end. But the idea was to have this name, which can be, you know, a boutique team of very talented people. And yeah, there was a point where we had to kind of, you know, create an onboarding process, train people up so they can actually photograph in the same style that I was doing, film the same style I was doing. And we slowly brought on team and then we brought on some editing team. And now there's about nine of us working on the regular, all contractors, but regularly working. Yeah. Right. So all contracts is an interesting one. So they're technically not your employees. You just pay them That's right. per That's job right. or whatever yep. it is. Yep. Which has its pros and cons for sure. If I'm getting this right. So in the space of three yep. years, you went from like just you and a camera, some basically a random dude to yes. all of a sudden having, well, not all of a sudden, but over three years acquiring a team and tripling your business. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so that's pretty astronomical growth, which is amazing. And what would you say is the thing that, Mm. what's the driver behind that? Other than obviously Mim being a hell of a hustler, like what's the driver behind that? Because let's be real, like photography is a crowded market, just like cake making is a crowded market. Yeah, sure. Totally. There's a mixture of things. I think the first thing is our product is good. It's also extremely simple. Like if you look at our packages, we literally have, well, there's technically four items, but there's only really three. So you've got your photo package and like what it says it does. And then you've got the videography package, which is the same thing. Everything you see is what you get. We don't do any kind of custom things unless the people are really like begging us for a custom package. But basically, if you don't want what we have, you can find someone else who will do it. So I think people like that because in today's world, it's we're kind of so overrun with choice. We're so confused by how many options there are. Nice to say, hey, look, this is what we do. If you want it, you can take it. So I think people like that. I also think our marketing is pretty on point at times. The recent months, it hasn't been as good just because we've been a bit um, distracted with a few things. But I think our way of marketing has been 
very helpful, especially Facebook marketing. Okay. So tell me about that. What do you think about it as okay. good? Yeah, sure. I think the way we approach it is we don't like any kind of salesy voice at all. We try and avoid any kind of sales pitches. And if you want to talk in a practical sense, we test a bunch of posts through the ad section of Facebook. And so by doing that, we just split test maybe five different captions on the same image, for example. So we might love an image and go, all right, this couple looks great. Let's test five different things. One being like, oh my gosh, aren't they just gorgeous? One being, oh my goodness, he's making me cry. He's so in love. I don't know, just for example, I'm just making some stuff up. So you test all those five, whatever comes out the best, then we'll actually post that to our wall. And then, then we'll sponsor that post from our wall. So basically by doing that, it doesn't actually come up much like the other ads. It doesn't look as advertising as other ads if you just did it directly through the Facebook marketing stuff. And I think people like that and they're kind of stumbling upon us organically and naturally rather than like, oh, here's a mad deal, come to us. And I think that's been quite powerful. Also, Facebook retargeting, which is super powerful. And I'm sure you know all about that. It's magical stuff. It is magical stuff, yeah. I just want to rewind a little bit to something you said earlier, which was if they don't want what we're offering, they can find someone else. Yes. So your whole business model is based on this. Here are your limited, awesome, but limited options. Mm -hmm. Anything else, see you later, alligator. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So this is about knowing who you want as your customer and also them knowing what they want. Yes, correct. Right. And so as a result, is there a price differential there? Like, because you're saying we only have these, not bad, but just simpler options available. Like Mm -hmm. if I compared you to some other Sydney photographer, would I be like, oh my God, these guys are totally, I don't know what word you want to use, reasonably priced, affordable, whatever. Like, did you make a price choice in that too? Or was it really more about the offering? Great question. I honestly think we're about middle of the range compared to our other friends in the market. As named photographers, like, you know, if I did do Tim Engelbrecht photography or Michelle Green photography, you can charge a lot more because on the day, so you have that one person who nurtures you all the way through until your wedding day. So for us, we've taken a slightly lower sales point in terms of price, but we want to kind of have a crazy frequency. And that's kind of our dream. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question properly. No, it did. It's, you're basically saying we're choosing volume over bespoke work, right? At the moment, yeah. Which is a great thing, actually. I tell people that all the time. Like, it's bread and butter work that's consistent versus, you know, in the cake world, right, the way it works is the people who will make you, you know, beautiful things but with very little customization versus the people who will sit with you and talk with you for hours and draw you pictures and make you super ultra high-end custom. We make every petal for you kind of people. Yes. And the thing I tell people when they ask me, like, which one of those people or which end of that spectrum should I be? My answer is always, well, how hard do you want to work for the sale? That's right. Yeah. And also, like, the clientele are completely different. Like, I hear these horror stories of these people who, you know, want to pay 10 grand for their wedding photographer and they're just always unhappy because they have this crazy unrealistic expectation in their head and they think just paying more money will fulfill that, but it's just their delusion. But the people we attract, I reckon we have like a 98% success rate with everyone in terms of everyone coming back and being like, we are absolutely in love with everything you did for us. I think just because their expectations are a little bit lower. So I think the pricing was not only because it's convenient for business and good for the client, but it's also great for our workflow, our mental health, all these other elements as well. It's quite a selfish decision. Like we kind of decided how we want to edit things, 
what our workflow looks like. And then we made it our packages from that. So this is in part, Tim, a lifestyle choice for you guys. Totally. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I want to spend as little time working as possible. And I think, yeah, that is dictating a lot of our business decisions for sure. I knew I loved you guys. <laughs> you are my people. You are like my spirit photographers. This is like, this is totally it. Right. And so, okay. So this is about, right. So the product and the packages and the cost and all of this is rolled into what is the kind of life we want to lead? Because here's the thing, you guys are wedding photographers, meaning you have no weekend. Yeah, that's right. Right. And so if you're going to give up your weekend to others, I think you've got to be in the same way that cake makers do, right? Because obviously all those weddings you guys are shooting, somebody brought that cake there. It is very much a choice of lifestyle. What kind of life do I want to lead? How much time do I want to myself? And if I'm going to sacrifice my free time, meaning, well, weekend free time, not Uh midweek free time, you know, how am I going to do that and for how much, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So one of the things I'm famous for saying is your business, your rules, and everything you just said there is a really good embodiment of that. Awesome. I'm happy. That's great. Yeah. Good job. Uh, You know, I'll send you the mail for that later. (laughs) So here's something that we struggle with. And I wonder if the photography industry struggles with this as well. So one of the problems cake makers have is that it's as an industry, it's got a really low barrier to entry. And what you kind of said earlier about how you got into it kind of proves that point that for you guys too, it's like, here's some random dude with a camera. It's not that hard to kind of hang your shingle out and be like, Hey, I'm a photographer, you know? Totally. So given that you started from those roots and most cake makers too will have started from those roots. Does that like now that you're on the other side, right now that you're running a business that's insured and has contractors and it's a much bigger venture like does it irritate you now that there's all these people who literally go buy a fancy camera and call themselves a wedding photographer it doesn't i guess annoy me but uh, it's hard because like you said i've been in that position so when i hear these stories of people you know getting a friend to shoot their wedding and they're totally unhappy i kind of think well you know good on them for having a crack and saying yes as the photographer but you kind of yeah you have to be really careful with this stuff but it doesn't annoy me that much. I think we just, we're so busy and I don't feel like, you know, like you were saying, it's quite competitive. The way we're doing things, I think we're actually really doing well. I'm not too stressed about competition at all. I kind of just worry about how we do things, just, you know, beat ourselves and beat our last year. So we don't stress too much about that kind of stuff. But I'm always looking ahead and thinking about, oh, what does the future technology hold? Where is this market going? What's the current sentiment? just so we can try and future-proof things because we get a taste of the future a year in advance. I don't know about you as cake makers how much lead time you guys get, but we can kind of see the future market a year in advance because people usually book about 12 months. Interestingly for us, the kind of scuttlebutt is that it used to be 12 months. And okay. over the last couple, I'd say over the last probably five years, that time frame is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And now it's not at all unusual for somebody to book a wedding cake three months. Wow. So, yeah. I'd say the average is probably still maybe at the six month mark, but it's not okay. unusual to get a three month lead time. Wow. Yeah. That time frame just seems to be getting shorter and shorter. Now, in part, I think that's because the cake is generally pretty much the last thing you do or just about the last thing you do. But it just really seems like that. The feedback I get from people who follow me often say like that timing is just getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. shorter. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
I don't know why that is. I don't have a good handle on why suddenly think mm. people are not planning in advance, but maybe it's just the nature of there's a lot more choice now than there used to be. Oh, there's so much. Oh, the amount of money and things you can spend money on for a wedding is just crazy. Yeah, and, and you I know, from a trend point of view, even in the cake world, right? It Now that it's not just cake. Now it's like these cheese things where people uh-huh. say, right? And then there's like donuts. the donut walls. Yeah, yeah. And there's like, you know, there's like, you don't have to have cake per se anymore you can have all yeah. these other weird and wonderful things right it's true but damn cake is good oh i've had so much wedding cake in my time oh my goodness <laughs> i'm sure you probably have like somebody's always feeding the photographer at least a little bit right oh yeah i'm always sly when the lights come down for the dance party i'm always you know just give it a cake there no one receives i just try and keep it yeah keep it under wraps don't tell my wife all right, I won't tell her. It's our secret. Yeah. We won't tell her and like the 10,000 people listening, but you know, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> secret between you and me. So like my thing on the people who are just jumping into the industry and I'm like, I'm curious on your take. It doesn't bother me that that's how they got in, right? Because that's how we all yeah. got in. What yeah. bothers me is the ones who are in it for a while. And by a while, I mean, I don't know, a year or something, mm-hmm. but who behave in a manner which is just so totally unprofessional and ridiculous. Because my thing is, yeah, if you got into it the easy way, as in you just picked up a camera or picked up a piping bag, it's like, great, I don't have a problem with that. But if a year later you're like still uninsured and you're still like charging super cheap because you think that's how to get business and you're still behaving in a way that's unprofessional, that's the part that gets to me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, because that ends up stinging the client in the end. Yeah, well, seeing I've, the client and the industry, right? It's, yeah, of course. There's a general feeling like, particularly in the cake world, right? There's this like thing about, oh, well, I can just get my neighbor to make it. Ah, uh, that must suck. Yeah, see, that's... Yeah. You guys, I could see that being more of an issue. I feel like there's a bit more of a barrier to entry, maybe with the photography stuff, just because of the tech side. I'm not saying it's simple to make a delicious cake. No, no, but a camera costs more than right. a piping bag will or whatever, yeah. That's right. And like, I've probably made a cake in my life. I can't say it's the quality, you know, to the standard of what you guys are doing for sure, but it would never be, but not everyone can say they've, you know, documented an event. But in saying that mobile phones, they're freaking me out. They're getting really good. Okay. So let's talk about that mobile phone thing. Cause I'm curious yeah. about this, right? As I see it, and please correct me here. You guys have two problems with them. One, there's a bunch of people at that event taking photos and publishing <laughs> yeah. immediately. Yeah, like while the event is still going on, right? And it used to be that people who had weddings and wedding photographs and stuff had to wait, you know, a week, two weeks, six weeks, whatever it is, for all these beautifully edited photos to come back. And Mm -hmm. now it's three seconds. That's right. So problem number uno. And I think problem number two is that you're trying to take a photograph and there's a bunch of people standing up in front of you holding up a smartphone. Oh, last weekend, I uh, firmly grabbed an old man. I think it could have been grandpa with an iPhone. And just shoved him out of the way, like politely, <laughs> respectfully, <laughs> firmly. It was just the bride's walking down the aisle, then through my viewfinder, this phone sticks right up in front of my face. And oh boy, yeah, that really gets me. Since this has been happening more and more, Mim has been sending out a generic response for all of our brides to request an unplugged ceremony. So that's tackling that issue. And the other issue, oh yeah, damn, it's annoying, but like there's not much. I guess. I try to look at things the positive side. Like when they do put up their iPhone photos, people go, oh, great, it's instant, it's good. But then when our photos come out, you know, they do look so much better. So it just kind of makes us look a lot better too when you look at, you know, side-by-side comparisons. Do you think it's kind of 
uh, what's the word I want to use? Like sad or unfortunate that like now for the bride and groom, there is no real element of surprise in that. Like, I think yeah. one of the cool parts about the photographs is like, you know, six weeks later or whatever, you get to be like, oh my God, look at these. They're amazing. We look so good. You know, Auntie Jane's plastic surgery is not bad. You know, like <laughs> you get this like moment. And now I don't think you, do you get a moment. Mm, maybe. I honestly, I don't know. It's just such a fast world we live in. Everything we want is, you know, we want it now. And like we have people who often, you know, send us a email the next day saying, hey, can we get a sneak peek? And we basically just say we don't do sneak peeks because if we did that for every single wedding, the workflow would be just crazy. So we have a generic email basically once, you know, their date pops up in our CRM, it just sends them a little email saying, hey, just letting you know, we can't do sneak peeks. Just want to nip that in the bud early but we'll be in touch really soon. But yeah, that's annoying when people expect sneak peeks, especially when other photographers do it, just because for them, it's so much easier. Like if they're shooting 20 weddings a year and it's just them doing it, sure, they can wake up the next day and quickly do a bit of an edit. But when we have four weddings on one weekend, we can't do that for every single one of our clients. Right. Not but I can see why that's nice. But we actually have a really quick turnaround. So our, our workflow is pretty damn efficient. So if it's a quiet week, we can get... If you get married on Saturday, you it's very highly likely that you'll get your photos on the Friday of the uh, following week. Yes. Yeah. Holy so moly. We, yeah. So we don't muck around. I think the other thing is with these rookies who kind of have a DSLR, they kind of, you know, watch Netflix and then they edit. But like, we just literally sit down and all we do is edit. We just focus on the one thing. We call it, we process it, we approve it and we deliver it and we do it all digitally. So that's another thing that we do differently from other people. Some people would, you know, want to put a fancy DVD together, but, Let's be honest, like my laptop looking at it has no DVD player. My car has no CD player in it. Like, so that's the way the future is going. So we're just kind of taking on that Netflix kind of model, everything in the cloud. And, and that speeds things up too. Yeah. Okay. That actually brings me to a question that I was going to ask you. Back in oh. the day, which is not that long ago, a little while ago, yeah. photographers made their money not from the shooting, but from the product at the end. Sure. So right, how many prints you bought, how many albums you bought, how many things you stuck up on the wall, whatever, right? Yep. It was all about the sales pitch at the end. Sure. Yes, correct. You kind of can't do that now. No, no way. Not when there's so, Herb and Kmart and all yeah. these places. So yeah. it used to be that the business model was you make a bit of money from the shooting, but really the cash cow is in them ordering a bunch of million prints after the fact. Well, that doesn't That's exist right. anymore. Yep. So now what? Now we're back to having to make money from our skill. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for us, it's never been a real issue because I think we kind of, like, like we only started in 2015. So I think people's expectations of that have changed over the couple of years we've been operating. And we rarely sell a book. And to be honest, I prefer it because, again, it stuffs up our workflow. Making books is annoying. And they're quite expensive to make, especially if you do it really well. Like we've got some people in, they're called Lone Pine, Brisbane, and they hand-bound you know, it's archival ink. It's like gorgeously made leather bound thing. But, you know, it's almost like two and, like for us to make money, we have to like charge two and a half grand. So the margin in it, it's so small. We almost prefer just saying, hey, here's a few links we can suggest you go to if you want to make some books or do some prints. So for us, it's okay. But I could see if you were doing this, you know, in the 2000s, like the early 2000s, and then where we are today, that could be annoying. So you mentioned a couple of times, Tim, the whole like workflow thing. It's about basically getting them in, getting them out, limited options in terms of packages and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff, which is totally music to my ears, I have to say. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But you're a creative. 
And I don't know that all that efficiency workflow in out CRMs, whatever, etc. How does that marry with being a creative where we want to yeah. spend all day finding the right light and the right angle and the right this of and course. the right that and the other? Yeah. Like, how do you marry those two? Totally. So that happens on the day, right? So all this stuff, either side of the day, that can be all made systematic. That can be all made, you know, streamlined and efficient. The stuff on the day, that's where the magic happens. Every time that photographer clicks the button, every time they reposition the couple, that's the magic. That's the creativity. That's the stuff I adore. But I also flip and adore business and I adore, you know, systems and like McDonald's, like they're amazing. Like their hamburgers are okay, but like their systems are just so magical. I love that stuff. So that's how I kind of marry those two. It all happens on the day. And then basically once the photo is taken, yeah, you can edit things to a degree to make them, you know, more creative or whatever. But for us, our kind of sales pitch is like fly on the wall. We want to um, basically enhance what happened to a certain extent, but without totally, you know, changing the image, you know, we're not going to like Photoshop and like start like, you know, putting in some crazy stuff. So our hands-on is quite minimal post the wedding. Yeah. And I think clients like that. The fact that they actually kind of look like them, just a slightly enhanced version, just a nice little, but the camera does it itself anyway. So yeah, that's how those two things collide for me. Oh my God. I'm so sad you're married. (laughs) (laughs) I was like listening to this and I'm like, oh my Lord, like totally speaking my language. So let me tell you a little bit about the cake world and one of the things I have with it. So one of the things I talk about a lot is something that I affectionately refer to as the last 20 minutes of glory. So what, which sounds sexual, it's not. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sounds you're like, wait, Michelle, 20 minutes is pretty good. Well, wow. let me just explain <laughs> that. Okay, so what I refer to in that is when you make a cake, right? It's not just like you make it, right? First, you got to buy the ingredients. Then you got to like bake the actual cake part and make the icing or the frosting part. Then you got to fill it and stack it and put it together. Then you put the icing on top of that, you know, fondant, buttercream, whatever. Then you go and put the ribbons on or the flowers on or whatever it is you're putting on. And then you take a photograph of it and then you deliver it and then you photograph it again. And all this kind of jazz, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing that drives me absolutely bonkers, just crazy, is how much time a lot of cake makers waste on the baking it and the filling it and the covering it and the whatever. Because to me, that's just boring scut work. Yeah. And all I care about is that last 20 minutes of glory when I'm putting those flowers on and those ribbons on and I can step away from this thing and go, I am a flippin' genius. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And so one of the things I say to people is if you are wasting all your time in the boring, uninteresting stuff that can totally be systemized or sped up or, you know, expanded out in a way that you're not doing it from scratch every single time, then that means you get to spend more time enjoying and loving the creative process, which is those last 20 minutes or however long it takes you. And so I say to people like, why are you wasting four hours of your time making sure the edge of that icing is totally razor sharp when no one's going to notice, no one can see it, and nope. no one cares? Yep, 100%. Right? So it's really great to hear you say, anything that happens before or after the creative part is all about speed, efficiency, getting it done, getting out of the way, whatever, so that when it gets to the creative part, I can really revel in that bit. Totally. And this is an argument I have with cake makers endlessly. 
Wow. I just say learn to bake, fill, stack, whatever a cake, like your butt is on fire so that you have way more time to enjoy the fun and creative part. Yes, and we're exactly the same. So, for example, when we get our photos back, we might have three and a half thousand images and we try and have like, you know, keep one of every four kind of thing. And that's a mixture of, you know, sometimes, you know, people jump in the way or sometimes things aren't quite, the autofocus doesn't quite pick up various things. But our culling process, like people blow their minds when they know how quickly we can actually process an entire gallery of 600, 800 images. So we have to cull that three and a half thousand. We can cull that in about two hours and we just sit there and we've got a strict set of systematic rules that we go through, you know, like, does the couple look good? Are their eyes open? Is it sharp? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then basically it's like, if it is, flag it, move on. And we just kind of just go pow, 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 pow. And the galleries are gorgeous, but it took us, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to cull the thing. So three and a half thousand, four thousand images down to like 600, 800 of the best. And then we can knock out the edit. We just sit there and we've got some other cool shortcuts. Oh my goodness. There's this thing called keyboard maestro. It has changed my life. Seriously, what, anyone. What, what is that? Oh my goodness. Cake makers can use it. You can use it. If you use a computer, it will change your life. Basically, you know, you've got shortcuts in programs, right? Right. You can create your own flow of shortcuts, but automated, right? So basically we have this process of culling our videos. So you set an endpoint, you set an out point and that's like, okay, oh, they're about to kiss. Cool. Set an endpoint. Okay. They finished kissing. They look nice here. Out point. And then I've got to insert that clip into our timeline. And then I've got to move my mouse over, double click the next clip, and then start that process again. Basically with keyboard maestro, I can go set shift P for this key, this arrow, this click, this thing. And basically now I go shift P and it does all those things I just said for me, which is flipping crazy. Anyways, I was just thinking about that. I was talking about culling and editing and we've just created a few of our own shortcuts, more like shortcut sequences to speed those things up too. And the cool thing is a keyboard maestro, you can set your own shortcuts. So you can go like F1 and maybe you could have like a sentence which you use all the time, canned responses within your shortcuts, which is pretty cool. But you can program for anything. So hot tip. Yeah, there you go. Keyboard maestro. Yeah, it's changed my life. I love it. Wow. That's kind yeah. of an interesting one. Yeah. But anyone can use it. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Is it like a piece of software? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it just runs in the background and you can just program whatever sequence. Like I geek out on this system stuff. I love it. Anything to speed things up, not make things worse, but just speed them up. I'll do it. Yeah, because efficiency is the big thing, right? It really well, is. Well, yeah, the more efficient you are on the boring stuff, the more you get to kind of spend time having a good time doing the creative stuff and then uh-huh. being home when you want to be home and working less and all this kind of jazz. Yeah, of course. That's very important for sure. Right. This is like quite amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but other photographers, if you told them how quickly we did that, they would just open their mouth and be like, what? You can process an entire wedding in one day and look that good? Like people don't believe it. And then they'd say, oh, you know, it takes, you know, four or five days, give or take, to like process like one wedding. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, like I'm astounded by the whole, their weddings on Saturday, we do this for them by the following Friday. Like that amazes me. But if you're using efficiency things like the keyboard thing and whatever, then of course you're making it happen, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. We just have some systems we follow just to set up for the projects. And by no means we skimpy on quality. Like don't mistake efficiency for, you know, reduce quality this stuff's amazing 
it's just like you say, like why waste time on things if you don't have to? Yeah, and for sure. We obviously, like we say, you know, it could take two to four weeks to get your stuff. So we kind of intentionally do that to like under promise and then over deliver. What's this? Yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> we don't do that intentionally to like make ourselves look good. It's more to give us a bit of breathing room in case things do. So like sometimes it might take two weeks just because, you know, something life pops up, you know, I was the best man for someone's wedding recently and I was out of work from, you know, like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for example, I can't do any of that. But basically it does make us look good when we do deliver. I don't know. I just lost my train of thought, but yes. There well, you go. just the idea being that we can be efficient and still give a great, yeah. the end of the of day. Of course. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So Tim, what would you say is the hardest part about running a small business? Um, well, it's the hardest part, but it's kind of the coolest part. It's like, no one is going to make it happen except for you. So I had this realization one day when I was working for someone else and it was like, it was tough work, long story, but I was doing some tough work just because I had to just get by at the time. This is before the business early days. And I was like, wow, no one is going to do this except for me, which is like flipping hard because we expect these days if we you know, pay someone else to do it, maybe they'll do a good job and make it happen for me. But if I'm not grinding, this thing stops basically. When are you starting up? Which is the best and the worst thing? Because you know your fate is in your own hands. If you want it enough, you can achieve like so much. Like the fact that we've like initially, I was like, man, if I just shoot forty weddings, oh man, life would be great. I'll be killing it. And the fact that we're almost doing a hundred is like the only reason like that is happening is because yeah, I am doing this on my own, as in like we are doing this, my wife and I. So we actually have that ability to like dictate our own fate. So yeah, that's what I find the most difficult because days when, you know, you're struggling, it's like, well, if I'm not grinding, you know, this thing might not, you know, keep working in another year or two. But then on the other hand, you know, the harder you push it, the more reward you get. So yeah, well, you know what? I like to say that like the best part about owning your own business is that you get to make all the decisions. The hard part about, you know, it's the best and the worst part, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's yeah. just kind of this endless, like, it's the good part. It's like both sides of the coin. It's the good part and it's the yeah. bad part, kind of endlessly, yeah. right? And if something cocks up, it's on me. It's on my wife. Like, we have to take full responsibility. You know, management above us can't take care of it. Um, it all kind of falls on us. So. There is no management above there, right? That's, no, it. that's right. That's right. Yeah. And so I'm guessing that if I asked you what the best part was, you'd probably say the same thing. We get to, we are the masters of our own fate here, right? Yeah, totally. I think so. And also the fact that, well, yeah, just there is risk, but the reward is also really great. And the fact that, you know, maybe one day when we do have kids, which would be cool, you know, maybe I'll be able to pick them up from school during the week and, you know, that kind of stuff. I think that really excites me. Yeah, but totally just having control of your own life is just a real magical thing. It is. And it definitely has its pluses and it has its minuses, but the people who I meet who do it tend to love it more than they hate it. So, you know. Yeah. I'm a terrible employee. Like you wouldn't want to employ me. I don't know what it is, but the minute I'm doing something for someone else's benefit, I find it really hard to kick into gear. It's yeah. It's good that I'm doing this. All right. And so just to finish up, what would you say to somebody who's like, Hey, I just bought a camera and now I want to be in the business or really any business actually. Yeah. What advice do you give to somebody who's like, Hey, you and Mim seem to be getting it together and I want to go into my own business as well. What advice do you give them? Okay. Advice would be read one of Tim Ferriss's books, the four hour work week. If you haven't, it's great. Read that. And also get around people who are doing it. Like 
sound it sucks being in the creative industry because sometimes people expect you to do stuff for free but do it like earn your stripes just shoot couples for free just say hey i've got this camera let me take you out and just keep doing that keep doing that and eventually people will notice you start posting that stuff online they'll start posting that stuff online and organically i think you'll start attracting some attention or you know try and find a studio like us get that experience and then come to a studio like us and then we'll train you more before you go out we don't take on completely green people but if you have previous experience and you do have some weddings underneath your belt, even if it's just a couple, we will put you on our onboarding process and get you up to scratch. So eventually you can shoot something really, really nice and all by yourself. So you'd say just get out there and do it really by all means yeah. necessary, get out there and do it. Yeah, that's it. Get out yeah. there and shoot as much as possible. It's a funny thing, right? There's a whole thing about, you know, people asking us to do stuff for free and asking us to do it for exposure. And, I, you know, this, this happens in every yeah. creative endeavor, I think. Of course, yeah. And it's funny, I've kind of tempered my attitude on that. Like my attitude used to be, don't ever work for free if you can get paid. But now my attitude yeah. is kind of like, do it if what you're going to get out of it is something of use to you. Totally. Like, don't do yeah. it just because you've been asked. But if you kind of go, oh, I've always wanted to do this kind of thing. Yeah, go for it if it gives you the opportunity. And, or if you're, you know, it's kind of like, well, if I shoot this or I make this thing or whatever, I'm going to get photographs that I can use for another means, then sure, you know? Yeah. So yeah. my sure. kind of opinion on the whole working for free thing now is still don't do it for exposure because exposure is just rubbish. But if you're going to do it, do it for a reason that is also self-serving. Like it, you're going to get some benefit from it or can derive yeah. some benefit from it. Because one of the things a lot of cake makers and photographers do together is they collaborate on these like styled shoots and stuff. Oh man. Oh boy. Don't get me started on those. Do you love them or do you hate them? Well, I only like them if the cake maker can then use those photographs for their of own course. means. So yeah. I don't love them if you're just doing it to do it like that's just yeah i feel like the photographers like i hate being approached for those things because they don't do it like it's not a real wedding like i can show a client a picture of this model and stuff but you know and everyone's like oh it's good exposure good exposure but it's usually better for everyone else and we're kind of like the main drivers of it but probably get the least out me personally so i've actually just never done one because i've just like don't have time for that Right. So my thing is yeah. like, if you as a cake maker or a cookie maker or donut maker, whatever you are, if you can take those photographs and use them as part of your portfolio or use them right. on your website or, you know, whatever, basically it's free photos, right? So go yeah, for it. But really. if you're just kind of doing it to do it, I don't know that there's any great value no. in that. But no I feel way. that, no, no. like I was saying, I feel that way about all free things. Don't ever work for exposure because the exposure never really bloody comes. Do it no. if you can find some way to parlay that into a marketing exercise for you. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds great. Well, okay. You'll be happy to know that I'm not going to pick up a camera anytime soon. I'm in fact a terrible photographer, which is funny. <laughs> I studied photography at uni and I was good at it then and I'm terrible at it now, but I'm terrible at it now because now I think there are people who professionally do this better than I can and I'll hire them to do that. Yeah. Fair enough. So, yeah. Yeah. As an example, I recently got back from a trip to Antarctica and you know, I own lots of fancy things, but I didn't take any, I literally took my phone and that was it. And I think I took five photographs a day. Maybe. There you go. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. well, because I was of the opinion that they have a professional photographer on board whose oh, photographs sweet. they provide later. Yeah. And everyone around me had these big, massive cameras and they were spending all their time looking through a viewfinder as opposed to looking at the view. Yes. Oh and my I was goodness. like, oh my goodness. I wish you were like every single crazy mother of the bride and father of the groom sometimes. Oh man, they're whipping out cameras. It's like, dude, look at this gear I'm holding. I'm going to take this photo and it's going to be. 50 times better than yours. Put it down, dude. Well, also, you're here to see that bride. You're not here to yeah, see what oh that my bride gosh. looks like through a little tiny square. 
It's like, but you'd be surprised. It's literally the parents. Like your kid is getting married, dude. Like mm. put it down. Watch yes. it. Exactly. And so oh. it was funny, like on this trip, like at first people were like, is that all you brought? I'm like, uh-huh. And then by the end <laughs> of it, when they were like tired of lugging around tripods and, you know, wet bags and whatever else, they were yeah. like, man, you were the smart one. <laughs> I was like, yeah, totally. You know? And yeah. yeah, I have now thousands and thousands and thousands of photographs not taken by me, but by taken by very capable people who did a better job. That's right. Perfect. Let the Good professionals style. do their job, I say, right? Yep. I love it. I'm so on board with that. Thank there you. you go. No worries. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tim, for your time today. You've been an absolute pleasure and I really appreciate your honesty and just telling us what it's like behind the lens. It's exciting to hear that you guys have some of the same issues that we have, but that, you know, overall quality matters, efficiency matters, and choosing how you're going to live your life and the bounds of your small business matter. So thanks for agreeing with me on totally. all that. No, it's fine. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. And it's, I love what you're doing. Yeah, I can't wait to see what else you get up to. It's great. Yeah, so we will put this, when this podcast goes up on the website, everybody who's listening, we will have all the links to Hello Sweetheart so you can follow them on Insta, stalk them, give them a bit of social media love, and obviously book them for your next gig if you happen to be in and around the Sydney area. But either way, it's a really interesting thing to watch how another business does business. So thanks everyone for listening today and we'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.